hello and happy Wednesday. This is a single mom of purpose. I am coming back to give you the next episode of Discipleship 101. Okay, this episode is brought to you by Kingdom Gals Ministries. And if you've been listening to the previous ones on Discipleship 101, I am sharing out of the book by Max Anders. The title is New Christian's Handbook, Everything Believers Need to Know. Okay, so this week we are in chapter five. And the title for chapter five is What Did Jesus Teach? Okay, now before each chapter, it gives us chapter at a glance. This week's chapter at a glance is going to give us three things that we want to listen out for. Okay, number one. Jesus taught that humanity needs to be saved. Number two, Jesus taught that righteousness is internal, not external. Number three, Jesus taught that love is life's priority. Okay, so listen up for those. And we're going to have some other ones thrown in there as well. Okay, some other little tidbits. So, first, Jesus taught that humanity needs to be saved. Okay, humanity is separated from God because of sin. And unless one believes in Jesus, which means committing your life to him, and it gives a lot of scriptures in this chapter. So if you want to go ahead and grab something to write with so you can write these scriptures down so you can go back and listen to them. Well, I should say uh, read them, not listen, read them. Uh, The first one is John chapter 1, verse 1. And also John chapter 1, verse 12. He or she will be separated from God forever. Romans chapter 3, 23. And Romans 6, 23. Okay. Jesus came to reconcile us to God. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. That is the most first and most important thing Jesus taught when he began his ministry. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Jesus asked in Matthew 16, 26. The obvious answer is nothing. What did Jesus teach about our greatest need? That humanity is lost and needs to be saved. Okay? Next point. Jesus taught that righteousness is internal, not external. The ship of Judaism, those who held to the Jewish faith, was encrusted with so many barnacles of tradition, hypocrisy, injustice, and apathy that from Jesus' perspective, it was no longer afloat. You teach as law the traditions of men, and in doing so, violate the law, he charged. Eight woes. In a classic exchange in Matthew 23, verses 13 through 36, Jesus was addressing a large multitude of people that included scribes and Pharisees, religious leaders, and he aimed eight woes directly at them by name. His whole point in denouncing these men was that they kept the traditions of men, but they did not keep the law of God. Woe to you, scribes. No, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, excuse me, hypocrites. Because one, 
you miss heaven and keep others from it. Number two, you take advantage of disadvantaged people. Number three, you make converts then pervert them. Number four, you split hairs to your own advantage. Number five, you keep the law in little things, but not in big. Number six, you are okay on the outside, but not on the inside. Number seven, you look good, but are full of hypocrisy. Okay. Number eight, you honor past prophets, but kill current ones. Wow. Wow and wow. In this scathing rebuke, Jesus called them hypocrites, blind guides, whitewashed tombs, serpents, a brood of vipers, and murderers. But for the most part, it fell on deaf ears. The whole point of Jesus's best known major address, the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7 in the Gospel of Matthew, is that true righteousness is internal, not external. If it were external, the Pharisees would have been heaven wrapped up because on the outside, religiously speaking, they were as pretty as a teacup. Inside, they were full of mold and rot. Unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, chapter 5, verse 20. Eight blessings. In stark contrast to the eight woes he pronounced on the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus offered eight beatitudes, which are blessings, to those who inwardly, to those who are inwardly righteous. Okay? Number one, to the spiritual needy, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Number two, to the sad, God will comfort them. To the humble, the earth will belong to them. Number four, to those who want to do right, God will satisfy them. Number five, to those who give mercy, mercy will be given to them. Number six, to those who are pure in heart, they will be with God. Number seven, to those who work for peace, God will call them his children. Number eight, to those who suffer, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It really is absurd to live as though we could pull the wool over God's eyes. Do we think we can hoodwink someone who knows all things, both actual and possible? What a collapse of logical thought it is to live one way on the outside, the another way on the inside, and think that God would be pleased. No, God is not vulnerable to spiritual slight of hand. True righteousness is internal not external. Our task is to determine what it means to love God. Jesus taught that love is life's priority. 
Jesus was speaking to a group of religious leaders when one of them, an expert in religious law, asked him what the greatest commandment was. He asked this question to try to trip him up on an answer somehow. Jesus replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. You will find that in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 38. Our task then is to determine what it means to love God. What does it mean to love God? Does it mean to have great swells of emotion race up and down your spine like a finger ripping up and down the piano keyboard? Does it mean to live with goose pimples on the back of your neck? Does it mean to be filled at all times with warm thoughts of God? The Apostle John recorded Jesus' answer to the question in John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He also wrote in 1 John 5, 3, This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. To love God is to keep his commandments, not with gritted teeth, not with clenched fists, but with a trusting heart. What did Jesus teach? If we love God, we do as he asks us. Emotions may run up and down our spine, or they may not. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we have obeyed him. If we keep his commandments, the Lord promises joy. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. John 15, 11. We may fear that if we obey God fully, he will send us to the deepest, darkest Africa. But the only people I know whom God has sent to deepest, darkest Africa are people who would rather be there than anywhere else in the world. We find our greatest fulfillment in the center of God's will. Do you want to love God? If so, then obey him. That is the way we demonstrate our love for him. We all love him imperfectly, but we do better by understanding that love is obedience rather than thinking that love is an emotion. Jesus also taught that we should love our fellow man. After identifying love of God as the first and greatest commandment, Jesus added, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 39-40 In response to a question as to what it means to love one's neighbor, since to love God means to keep his commandments, Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 25-37. A man who was robbed and beaten was ignored by supposedly righteous men. But a common citizen, a Samaritan, helped him. Jesus said the Samaritan was the one who loved his neighbor. The second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. In conclusion, Michael Green in his excellent volume, Who is this Jesus, wrote, It is not religious ritual, however worthy, that brings you into the kingdom of God, but a lovely filial 
son or daughter relationship with him. God does not want endless servants. He wants sons and daughters. It is not a question of doing lots of things for God. It is a question of allowing him to become your loving heavenly father and being true to that relationship. It will inevitably lead to a life of love to God and to your fellows. It is hardly surprising in the light of all this that the Christian word for love, agape, was practically introduced into the language by Jesus. It did exist beforehand, just. But until he came, nobody had seen what it really meant. Yet if God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us, why that shed an entirely new light on love? It meant total self-giving for the totally unworthy. That is what God the Father did. That is what Jesus embodied. That is what he called on his disciples to do. What Jesus taught was that we all need to be saved from our sin. And we do that not through good works, but through faith in Jesus. A life of righteousness is not a matter of keeping external religious rituals, but an internal commitment to love God and others. Okay, so we are at the end. There's questions uh, as it gave us questions in the other chapters. These three questions I'm going to share with you. Number one, what would you tell someone now who wanted to know how to get to heaven? Number two, if righteousness is internal, do we have to go to church, read our Bible, and pray? Why or why not? Number three, has your understanding of loving God and others changed as a result of reading this chapter? If so, how? Okay. And it also gives a, a scripture that you should read and try to memorize. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. And if you've been listening, you know we have a prayer as well. And it says, Dear Lord, thank you for making it possible for me to be saved from my sin. Thank you that through though you want me to be a good person, I am acceptable to you because of what Christ has done for me, not because of what I can do for you. Amen. Okay, so again, chapter five, what did Jesus teach? It gave scripture, it gave insight, it gave knowledge, it gave wisdom, and it gave understanding. Okay, that was awesome. Uh, reading it when I read these to you guys, when I share with this, this is my first time because I want to have the same experience. I don't want to have the go and uh, I don't read it before I share. I, when I read it out, that's what I'm sharing with you guys. So I'm learning as I share. And so far, this book has been good, it's been insightful you know um discipleship is something that we all as being a christian should be excited about passionate about and want to share with others uh, if you've been listening to my podcast i do this to help other people i do this to get things out um so people will know um i share because i want to be a help you know, I want to help others. When I was coming into um, being a new Christian, um, a new disciple, I didn't know too much. You know, a lot of the stuff that I learned, I had to learn on my own. 
there weren't um, There's not always going to be people that's going to be um, helpful, <laughs> which is not a good thing, especially if you're in the kingdom of God. You should want to share what you know with others, new believers, um, so they can, you know, get to where you are, you know, because all of us are on different levels. Some of us are um babes in Christ. Some of us are seasoned saints. You know, they have all different words out there for uh, excuse me, people that are within the kingdom of God. Um, but I was a babe in Christ before, and I know how it is. Uh, so I don't want to uh, be learning stuff and know stuff and not share. You know, it's like, share the wealth. You know, share your knowledge. You know, that's gonna, you know, get other people uh, where they need to be at as well, you know, and they'll in turn go share with others. So with that saying that, if you know anyone who is going to um, be inspired, be, um, uh, what's the word? Hmm. Um, just wants to hear these type of podcasts. You know, I've been doing this for over a year now. I have a lot of different subjects on there, even if it's not discipleship, you know, they can listen to something else that's on there. All this is Christian based. Okay. So if you are a new Christian, seasoned Christian, you know, we all can be learning. I, you know, I, I still like to learn, you know, I don't know everything. So if there's anybody that's in your life, in your circle that you may think will be blessed by this particular episode or other episodes on this podcast, be free to share it with them. Okay. Again, this is a single moment purpose. This episode has been brought to you by Kingdom Gales Ministries. Um, we have a Facebook group called Kingdom Gales. You can find us on uh, what's that? I'm sorry, Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, we have a website, KingdomGalesMinistries.com. You can go there as well. Um, so I want to thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for um, supporting because you support when you listen so i appreciate that and i hope i'm sharing things that are going to help you and help others around you okay so we'll be back next week with chapter six okay um and we're just going to continue this for as long as we have to okay when we're out of this book we'll go into some other um subjects some other um things that we as Christians should be learning about or know about. Okay. So thank you. Have a good night. I enjoy the rest of your week. Have an amazing weekend and we'll be talking soon.